G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. You may be surprised that there are something in the vicinity, and perhaps it's just an estimate, but it'll be relatively right. 1.2 billion people in the world who cannot afford to buy a Bible and a further 2 billion people who don't have the Bible translated into their own heart language. And that doesn't include the 750 million adults who struggle with literacy. They just can't read the Bible. Well, it's likely to be the case that when you are a Christian, you're the one who supports the idea of mission activity or Bible translation. The idea of discipleship that happens because you've gone through your own transforming process. And there are, of course, those who are undergoing an, a, a, the powerful transformation of the Bible, the encouragement that comes from the Bible. There's lots of stories of how the transforming message of the Bible changes people's lives. And we're going to get a focus on that today. Melissa Lipset is the Chief Operations Manager at the Bible Society. She is one of those champions of the Bible and is across the work of the Bible Society working in 38 projects worldwide. Melissa Lipset, a special welcome along to 2020. Oh, great to be with you today, Neil. Thanks for having me. Melissa, we're going to talk about life-changing encounters with the Bible today, and this is not something that is surprising. I'm sure there are those who are a little bit confused about what it is to have a life-changing encounter. Sometimes we talk about that as being what happens in a conversion experience or being born again. Uh, But today we'll talk about it in the context of what happens when you're exposed to the message of the Bible. This is something that you'd love to talk about. I do, I do, because it happened first and foremost in my own life, Neil, so I know the change that can be brought about when people are exposed to the Bible uh, for the first time. And so when we reflect on certain scriptures, one of my favorite all-time scriptures, of course, is Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. You know, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then going on to be able to test God's will. There is a certain sense in which you are exposed to the message of the Bible. Transformation is the thing that happens. It does, and we see it time and time again. I I witnessed it in my own life. I've witnessed it in the lives of people around me, and I get to witness it on a day-by-day basis with the stories that come in from around the world with our projects where we put Bibles into the hands of people and help them engage with what it says. Their lives are transformed. We know that God's Word speaks into empty hearts. Uh, It's been doing it for thousands of years, and uh, I happen to believe that uh, it'll be doing it for thousands of years to come. 
And Melissa, when we talk about the Bible these days, it's not just a hardcover or softcover print uh, book uh, because there are people who can access the Bible online. There are people who can download it onto their mobile devices. all sorts of ways you can access the Bible. The Bible Society isn't just into print material. You're across all of the spectrum, all the platforms of how people can access the Bible. Oh, yes, indeed we are. Yes, many, many people will download the Bible uh, in uh, various parts of the world and be able to access it digitally. But there's something very special about holding God's Word in our hands. And as I travel um, around Australia and the globe talking about our work and uh, seeing uh, the people who are interacting in our projects, um, many, many, many of them tell me how special it is to hold a copy of the Bible in their own hands. And Neil, I don't know about you, but I access the Bible on my phone, on my mobile phone a lot when I'm out and about. But when I'm at home and really want to dive into God's Word, then nothing beats turning the pages of my paper Bible. And interesting, we could have a whole conversation about this, and there might be listeners that want to contribute because, you know, I've got an app on my phone, and I'll access that, and uh, I have an app on a tablet, and I'm happy to read the Bible off the tablet, and sometimes I get the tablet to read the Bible to me, uh, which is is an interesting, uh, wonderful technological development that uh, really makes Bible reading very easy. And then there's carrying your book Bible to church. And uh, there's something special about actually having the presence of a book Bible in church too. What are your thoughts on on the tangibleness? The you know I can touch it, I can turn the pages. Uh, that sort of image that comes in the local church. Uh, well, Neil, last year I had the great privilege of being in Cuba, where we had just been able to witness the distribution of the one million Bibles into Cuba, and I saw. Um, a woman receive a Bible and um, I'll never forget the tears that flowed from her eyes and the fact that she kissed the Bible. She said she had dreamed her entire life of being able to touch a Bible, of being able to touch God's Word because in her community in Cuba, Bibles were so rare that there was often only one in the entire church community. So the day that we were there and able to give every person in that church their own Bible, so many people uh, just wept with the joy of receiving that and holding it in their hands and knowing that they didn't have to give it away, um, they didn't have to pass it on, but they were able to take that home and use it um, every day in their own lives. Such a massive um, thing for them. You know, sometimes for those who might be listening into our conversation today, it sounds a little bit strange or unusual that people might have such a treasure mentality uh, for receiving their very own copy of the Bible. We sort of take it so much for granted. Uh, you can buy Bibles around the place everywhere, and uh, but some people have not had access to that. And those who have been denied access or haven't been able to read it, it is truly a treasure. 
It is an absolute treasure to them and it puts us to shame, um, those of us who have such ready access to the Bible, because I'm not sure that we treasure it in the same way. I know that when I look at my bookshelf in my study at home, there's, you know, there's upwards of 12 Bibles there, various study Bibles and paraphrases and, you know, um, I'm, when I look at those, I am ashamed because uh, you know, I have met people around the world who just long uh, for for their own Bible, just one of their own Bible. And I could tell you about a man that I met in um, uh, the hill tribes in Vietnam. His name was Lai. And Lai heard about the gospel for the very first time, not through the pages of the Bible, but through a radio broadcast. And after hearing about this God called Jesus, he was absolutely desperate to know more and he sought out a Bible and it took about a year for him to be able to track down a Bible and um, when I uh, spoke to him in Vietnam last year I said to him do you still have that Bible and he said oh no I had to give it away so that my brother would understand the good news too so having had the Bible for uh, about a year himself, he then um, handed it on to another person who was desperate uh, to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, we take so much for granted, Neil. You know, we talk about the transforming power of the Bible and how people reverence this opportunity of having the Bible in their hot little hand as a treasure. Yeah. But yeah. the Bible's not somehow rather magical, uh, like some sort of a spell has been cast or it's, you know, it's not like a book of incantations and uh, those sorts mm-hmm. of things that people might think of if they're thinking of a Harry Potter or something like that. But we talk about the transformational power of the Bible. It's not because it's magical. What makes the Bible so special, Melissa? Well, I think we know that God speaks through the pages of the Bible. He He always has done in that incredibly mysterious way that the Holy Spirit just interacts uh, with our lives as as we read it. And uh, let me tell you very briefly about uh, a woman called Leonie who um, comes from Cameroon. Leonie was sexually exploited as a child and into early adulthood and she had lived a very, very traumatic life. Um, she was able to bo- join a Bible Society project that provided support to her uh, in terms of her sexual abuse, but it also provided her with liter- literacy skills, and she was able to read the Bible for the first time. And, of course, she was given her own Bible. And she says that she encountered Jesus through God's Word and that she was transformed by his love and acceptance. And she said, now I feel free from bondage and trauma. I'm happy because of what I'm learning. So, you know, the words speak incredibly powerfully into um, individuals' lives. So different words speak differently to different people. But here was a young woman who had lived uh, a life of incredible trauma who said that reading those words... Um, she was free from bondage and trauma for the first time in her young life. So we're not talking magic, but we're talking about part of a supernatural process by which God reveals himself to the individual, and as an individual responds, 
then God begins this process of opening up opportunity here to be transformed to the yes. image of his son. This is, a, yes. this is in fact, uh, getting into a very powerful transformative process. How do you describe what happens when people are exposed to the Bible? Well, Neil, as I said um, at the start, I experienced this for myself. I didn't grow up in a Christian family, and I had lived a very um, difficult life. Um, my teenage years and early adult years were very difficult, a very um, dysfunctional family environment, and, and, and it was a life that I wasn't proud of at all. And as a young woman in my 20s, a chaplain put a Bible in front of me and he said, you are not the person you think you are. You are the person God says you are. And as he read to me um, from the pages of the Bible, uh, it, it, it it taught me that, you know, it was a revelation to me that that I was loved, that I was accepted, that I was beautiful, that I was treasure, um, that I was a daughter of the living God. It was absolutely transformational. I previously had been, you know, living in a pit of my own making and truly he lifted me out of that pit and set my feet on solid ground and put a new song in my mouth. And so having experienced it personally for myself, I know that it's absolutely possible for every single person on the planet to have this same uh, transformative experience as they engage with God's Word. But there's real barriers for those for so many people being able to do that. As you said, there are 1.2 billion in the people in the world who can't afford to buy a Bible, and 2 billion people, another 2 billion people in the world who don't have it in their own language. And then, of course, there's the 750 million adults who can't read it, even if they can afford it and have access to it. So these are big problems. Um, for those of us who've had our lives transformed by the Bible to be able to help. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. You might also have a comment or a question you'd like to ask. You can do so on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Melissa Lipset of the Bible Society is our guest and we're talking through the life change that happens through encounters with the Bible. Melissa, you have story after story and you've got one particular one that I know is just an amazing story, and it's called Nora's Story. How does Nora's story unfold? Yes, well, Nora lives in the Middle East, uh, and she uh, comes from a society where a woman is owned by her husband. And Nora was forced into an arranged marriage to an abusive alcoholic, and of course, she had no voice at all to complain or to cry out for protection. Uh, and then things became even worse for Nora when her husband was put into prison and she couldn't pay the bills. Her husband's family had the electricity switched off, so Nora couldn't even cook herself a meal. And she had absolutely nowhere to turn to in the midst of a patriarchal Middle Eastern society 
very alone and very afraid. And in the midst of this, Nora actually considered suicide. And she called out to God and said, if you exist, how can you let me live like this? Well, fortunately, a neighbor, uh, a Christian neighbor, invited Nora to a Bible study group. And Nora, even though she was fearful of doing that because she came from a different religion, actually decided to go. She was so desperate uh, for, the, uh, for, I guess, that relationship with another human um, that she said yes to the woman and her Bible study. And over a period of time, Nora actually gave her life to Christ. And she said that rather than being fearful any longer, um, that the scripture made her brave, that reading the scriptures made her become brave. And um, she she recognized all of these wonderful promises from God. And, and she thought, you know, there is nothing but love in here. There is, it's so different from the things that she'd experienced in her life. She found out for instance, that God didn't distinguish between men and women. In fact, he said that he had made them equal, both made in his image, that he didn't distinguish between old and young. And she recognized that God loved everybody equally and therefore loved her for who she was. And it was a remarkable transformation for Nora, who no longer is contemplating suicide, but instead... um, lives to share her faith with others around her. Illustrates, doesn't it, there are people in various nations around the world where they're denied access to a Bible and so therefore denied access to the transforming, amazing process that happens when someone's exposed to especially this identity that we discover when we get into God's Word. Uh, but this, uh, this, 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 is, this is very significant because uh, when people are denied, uh, that's where I imagine our whole Christian faith tries to kick into gear to try and make it available as much as we can. Yes, that's right. Um, and we're, we're very um, privileged to be able to uh, support some um, a number of projects around the world that are in countries where reading the Bible is actually a difficult thing to do um, because of the different religion of the country that you're living in. So it, it becomes quite dangerous to be able to do that. But it doesn't stop people. It really doesn't. We find that, you know, in these um, places, in these countries where Christians are ridiculed or persecuted for their faith, um, that uh, it doesn't stop them uh, wanting to access the Bible. It, it makes them even more desperate uh, to get those words of hope and life. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. You can also leave a note, a comment, a message on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Let's hear from uh, Mr. Bowers in Redcliffe in Queensland. Hello, welcome along. Hello. Oh, it's uh, nice to be able to talk talk to, about Jesus. It Where is nice Jesus to talk about from? Jesus. What are your thoughts? I'm just going to read something from my Bible. The Bible teaches that Jesus lived in heaven before he came to earth. Mecca prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem and also said that his, his original was at ancient times, Mecca, Five. Uh, what On Bible are you reading time. from there, Mr. Bowers? Sorry? What Bible are you reading from? I'm reading from my, my Bible. 
Does it have a particular version? Uh, yeah. What does the Bible really tell us? <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry, keep going. Yeah. Anyway, where do I get to? Uh, Jesus himself said that he lived in heaven before born as a human. Read John 3. As a spirit creature in heaven, Jesus was a special relation, had a special relationship with Jehovah. Jesus is Jehovah's most precious son. I think that when we read John chapter 1 verse 1 that we'd read in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God that's the sort of thing you're talking about there because Jesus is the word a quick thought or two from our special guest Melissa oh absolutely I mean we we understand um, the trinity of father son and spirit so um, they are three, but they are one. And, uh, you know, Neil, you and I were talking before about the power of the Holy Spirit present here with us. That Jesus, when Jesus left us, he said, you know, don't be anxious. I'm, I'm leaving you another helper. Uh, and we know that that's the Holy Spirit here to help us. And, and that's, uh, it's the Holy Spirit who I believe is able to, um, you know, illuminate the words that we read uh, in God's Word and um, make them personal for us. Mr. Bowers from Redcliffe, thank you so much for your call. You might like to contribute to our conversation today, 1-800-316-316, as we talk about the transformational power of an encounter that you'll have when you have the Bible in your hot little hand. Interesting point you're raising there, Melissa, because we talk about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Bible, really, through all of those threads that come through the Old Testament, culminates with the appearing of Jesus, the incarnation of Jesus that we read about in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. But Jesus' promise to us is that he would send the Holy Spirit who would lead us into truth. So we're talking about here the interaction of God that comes when we are, in fact, exposed to an encounter through the Bible. Oh, yes, absolutely. In fact, the gentleman that I talked to you about earlier, Lai, in Vietnam, one of the things that he said to me uh, was that he wanted his, um, he wanted to be able to share the truth, that when he was able to, when he heard the gospel and then was able to follow that up by reading about it in a Bible, that he knew this was the truth and he wanted to share it with his own people. So today, Lai um, is actually a, a Bible translator, uh, getting the, helping us to get the language, the Bible, into his own heart language. But yes, he, he talked about the, those words of truth, and he, um, he, he absolutely understood them to be truth, not because anybody had told him that, but just because of the change that went on in his heart uh, when he read those words and engaged with uh, what the Bible had to say to him. He, he said something else to me which was you know, incredibly beautiful. He said, I realized that I wanted to be like my heavenly father. I didn't want to be like father, like son. I wanted to be like my heavenly father and I wanted to share that truth. Uh, for living with with my other pe- with my people, 
And when we're looking at Jesus in the Bible, there's a certain sense here in which when our thinking is changed, our beliefs are changed, then our actions are changed, and therefore you've got this transformation of a life, and that's the sort of thing you're describing. Absolutely. I mean, let me tell you, I've got so many stories, Neil, but let me tell you about Hakem, who um, was born in an overseas country and um, uh, escaped that country as a refugee and um, found his way here to Australia by a long, circuitous route and, of course, was in a detention centre here in Australia. Um, and he had, during that long journey to Australia, he'd begun to ask some really tough questions about what he thought was the truth, that truth that he had been brought up with uh, in a different religion. And, uh, you know, there were just so many questions in his mind now that uh, he was here in Australia. And fortunately, a chaplain in that uh, detention centre was able to sit with Hakem and share the Bible with him. And over months of study, Haken began to have some of his uh, questions answered by what he found in the pages of the Bible, what he found in those words of God. And uh, several months into into that period of study with the chaplain, Haken converted uh, from Islam to Christianity and asked to be baptized. Now, there aren't many baptism tanks in no. detention centres. Melissa, I'm going to have to cut in because we're about to go to news. Uh, Melissa, just before the news, uh, we were interrupted in some sense because you're in the middle of a story. I don't want to uh, leave uh, listeners without hearing the end because it was an Australian story, a man named Haker. Uh, give us a, a quick, in a nutshell, uh, review of that story because we didn't, get, we didn't let you finish. Yes, well, the quick review is that uh, Hakem came from another country via a very circuitous route um, uh, after persecution in his own country, uh, but he ended up in a detention centre here in Australia asking lots and lots of questions about uh, the religion he'd been brought up with, which obviously wasn't Christianity, and uh, a chaplain was able to sit with him over a period of weeks and months and open the pages of the Bible for Hakem and help him to find the questions that he so desperately wanted. And at the end of that time, Hakem became uh, a Christian. He renounced his uh, the faith that he'd been born into and uh, professed faith in Jesus Christ. And just a few weeks later was baptised in a very well scrubbed out um, wheelie bin, garbage bin at the detention centre. And it's a real test of your faith if you get into the wheelie bin to get baptised and it's not scrubbed out. Well, that's right. I mean, <laughs> clearly we need baptismal pools in our detention centres, Neil. That's all I can say. You know what? I think that <laughs> could be something the Bible Society could pick up and lobby for that. I mean, uh, I'll be looking for that press release with your name on it, yes, Melissa. Yes, yes, I'll put it on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a call or two. Bev is on the line from Queensland. Hello, Bev. Welcome along. Hello, Neil. Um, Neil, my brother's always said to me that uh, an authorised version of the Bible. Can you explain authorised version? Okay, well, uh, yes, I could explain that, but we've got Melissa Lipset with us, and she's no doubt got a really great understanding of all these different translations. Melissa, what's your thoughts for Bev? 
Yes, well, an authorised version is that which um, has uh, been through a panel of scholars, of biblical scholars and translators, and there is uh, those. A panel would be drawn from a variety of contexts, so um, you might have a, a number of different denomination, denominations um, involved in that panel, for instance, so that you had a, a breadth of expertise and understanding and uh, around these matters so um, we don't accept a bible if it's just a uh, you know if it's somebody like you or me sitting down and saying look I've I've interpreted the bible and here it is and you know um, that's not considered to be an authorized version um, there are lots of layers that an authorized version goes through to be um, accepted as such and I imagine that when anyone has their copy of the Bible, they can open up and before the first book of Genesis, there's oftentimes a, uh, an introductory word which talks about how that translation process has happened. So whether it was a King James Bible, uh, yeah. the authorised version, whether it could be uh, the New International Version, uh, when you open up the Bible, uh, that's where you'll find those sorts of things. And I imagine that's all about integrity and credibility and confidence yeah. that you might have that you are reading a accepted translation of the Bible, Melissa. Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct, Neil. And there are some other material that you might want to put alongside that for additional reading. Um, you might enjoy a mess, um, a um, Bible paraphrase, for instance. Um, but it doesn't. Uh, the word from the Bible Society is that it shouldn't replace um, reading from a. Um, uh, a reputable, credible, authorised version. Okay, well, thank you so much to Bev from Queensland. Appreciate your call. Let's take another call from Sue in Esperance in WA. Hello, Sue. Welcome along. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, Melissa. Um, Hello, Sue. I'm, <laughs> I want to tell you that I have experienced the living word and that's what my Bible is to me, everything. Yes. And yes. I was... I was born into and brought up in a Christian, um, uh, to, uh, went to a Christian school and mm-hmm. um, I, I actually got top in the Bible and we did um, Bible as a, a subject Wonderful. and I, I actually got top in it. But you know what? Mm-hmm. It wasn't living and mm. it wasn't until I became a born again Christian mm. that all of a sudden I was infused with the Holy Spirit and he's taught me so much yeah and and yes. like my life has been a pretty well up and down uh, my past and I had a lot of skeletons in the closet and um, just the power of that word is just amazing I read it every day I love it and I live it Ah, uh, Sue, that is wonderful. And you're talking about when you have an intellectual approach to the Bible, just memorizing things, going through things mechanically. But what happens uh, when something happens in your heart and you realize that these words are for you and they are the message of the gospel that comes from God? There's this living experience. And Melissa, your thoughts for Sue and uh, what a wonderful testimony. Oh, it's a wonderful testimony, Sue. Thank you very much for that. And, you know, the fact that the Bible speaks directly to every human heart, 
um, if if we allow the Holy Spirit to be a part of that, um, or there's the possibility for that, is one of the really important reasons why here at the Bible Society we want to get the Bible in people's heart languages, because it's that heart language, that mother tongue that speaks to your heart and soul most powerfully. So rather than somebody having to access the Bible in a in a secondary language, we think it's really important that we can get it into that heart language for them. That real connection between heart and soul. Sue from Esperance, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation or perhaps uh, leave a note on our Facebook page, it could be a comment, could be a question too. Uh, Just before we move on though, interestingly where Sue has that experience where all of a sudden the Bible comes to her as a living document and it's uh, the living God is revealing himself through the pages, I suspect there's going to be another listener listening who says every time I open the Bible it seems really dry and I can't understand it is it one of those things what's your advice here Melissa because uh, sometimes it could be the version of the Bible that people are reading sometimes they're reading something that might be say a King James version which might be old English whereas there might be something more modern to read what are your thoughts for people who are having a dry experience yeah, and, and there's no question, what, you know, most of us go through those dry times and um, I think the important thing to do there is to reach out to somebody perhaps who can help you read the Bible, you know, that sit with a friend and read it together and share together around that. I think um, it's so important to have that human contact to encourage us um, during those dry times. But there's certainly lots of great resources out there to help you read the Bible. And, um, you know, you can get those, um, um, some terrific um, uh, aids to helping you um, read it and engage it at, at any of our bookstores, of course, our Kurong bookstores. But but you can also um, sign up online to the Bible Society's daily Bible message. And we'd be delighted to send um, people... Uh, just a very, very short devotion each morning. Very short, takes you less than five minutes to do it. That will just um, unpack that uh, a Bible verse or two and help apply it to your life. And uh, I do think that uh, having an aid like that can be really helpful. There are wonderful aids that help you to create a routine as well. And I imagine yeah. that when you're actually talking about a transformative process that comes with an encounter from the Bible, we're not talking about opening the Bible one day, reading it for 10 minutes, and then your life has changed. What no. happens perhaps here, and I'll get your thoughts, Melissa, is this idea of uh, of a regular routine that brings about a change of thinking, beliefs and ideas yeah. uh, as you continue to read. Yeah, oh, yes, that's, that's absolutely right. And, um, and I think reading the Bible is a discipline. Like so many good things in life, we have to be disciplined about them. And the more disciplined we are about that, the more we'll get out of it. But you know that I, I think it's wonderful to engage with other people as we, you know, explore the Bible and struggle with the Bible. Um, it's easier to struggle in, in, you know, in a circle of people than to struggle on your own. So, um, it, you know, if I go back to my church context, I would say it's really important to 
find one or two or three or four others that you can um, sit and read the Bible with and and uh, and talk through the struggles and share the joys. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Lots of people wanting to get through. Let's hear from Robin in Mount Morgan in Queensland. Hi, Robin. Welcome along. Yes, hi. Um, I've got an um, uh, illness at the moment, but... Um, look, I have been absolutely, totally dependent on the Bible. Um, I started off uh, when I was 19. That's about 40-something years ago. Um, I was totally, totally depressed, confused, had the lowest self-esteem And um, when I became a Christian. And Christians, nobody understood me. Um, you know, you can get... It's really good to be in fellowship in a church and to listen to sermons, and I got help a little bit from that, but most of all from my Bible because I had yeah. no idea what my problem was. Nobody else knew either. Um, and when you when you are confused like that and you, you're believing lies in your head, you know, people make judgments about you and you believe the yeah. judgments because you don't know any better. But the Bible yeah. sorts you out. I read I read the Bible just, you know, day in, day out for many, many, many years and I still do. Yeah. Because that was the only thing that started to sort out my scrambled brain. And I started to realize that I wasn't that horrible person that I thought I was. I wasn't that hopeless person that I was made to think that I was. And, um, you know, God knows what our problems are. He knows what causes Mm. us to go down the wrong path. Other people Mm. don't know. Robin, wonderful testimony there. Let's hear a thought or two from Melissa for Robin. Oh, thank you, Robin. That's wonderful to hear. And yes, the Bible is full of those words of life and love and encouragement and yes, discipline when needed. You know, there there really is... you know, words for every occasion in there, but it's only as we spend time in the Bible that we find them, of course. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you to Robin in Mount Morgan. Let's take a call. Laurie is in Adelaide, South Australia. Hello, Laurie. Welcome along. Hello. How are you guys? Very well. What are your thoughts, Laurie? Good, thanks, Laurie. Well, when, I first, when I first became a Christian, I, uh, I read various versions, the Revised Standard, the International, the New King James, the Old King James, and some of the family Bibles and so on. And, and of course, uh, there were some times where things would explain themselves slightly better, I guess, in my understanding to others. But then when I got into studying the Dead Sea Scrolls, I came to realize that of all the various versions, I think there are about 58 English versions now, of all the various versions, the old King James, the original King James, was the most accurate to the Dead Sea Scrolls. And as the Dead Sea Scrolls are the oldest, scriptures that we have records of uh, for the Old Testament, I found that I, coming to the realization that these were the most accurate words, I took the greatest pleasure in, in, in studying and, and, and reading and learning the Old English and the methods of the mm. Old English to really give a grasp of what Heavenly Father wanted me to know. Laurie, good thoughts mm. in there. Let's get a response from Melissa. Well, good on you for hanging in there with the King James. Look, I agree. It's such an incredibly rich text, isn't it? Um, And uh, and yes, we know that it's uh, uh, very, very well considered by by Bible academics. So um, you can't go wrong reading the the King James, uh, the New King James. Uh, We love it here at Bible Society, but uh, we're also happy to recommend, uh, you know, other 
perhaps more modern um, translations that uh, some people might find a little easier to read. But, you know, I mean, how lucky are we that we have that choice that we can uh, that we can pick up the uh, the New King James and really study that we can put, uh, you know, perhaps something more contemporary alongside of it for a uh, you know, for a, a new insight, and we might be able to put a paraphrase or a commentary alongside that again. But you know, we're so we're in, so incredibly fortunate and spoilt for choice. So many people around the world don't even have access to just the one Bible. Uh, Laurie from Adelaide, thank you so much for your call. And uh, just before we take another call, uh, sometimes people get hung up on which version they are reading and think that is the right one above all others. Uh, that can be a little bit of a trap sometimes uh, because really if we think that one version is the divinely inspired version, uh, then somehow or other we're deluding ourselves because there are 190 plus nations around the world with probably thousands of languages and they are all are not going to be able to read Old English. So uh, there's yeah. a certain sense in which uh, when we get a translation of the Bible into our heart language, uh, we've got to understand that that is the way that God is revealing himself uh, in through all of those heart languages. So we wouldn't get hung up on one particular literal translation of the Bible uh, because God's revelation is coming through all of these different versions. And yet when you're studying, some are going to be more significant than others for your study purposes. Uh, Let's take another call. Susan is on the line from Cleveland in Queensland. Hello, Susan. Welcome along. Oh, hello to you both. Um, I just wanted to say when when I was nine year old, my father was killed in a plane crash and there was a, a Salvation Army officer that gave each of us children, there was four of us, um, kids and she gave us all a Bible and it was a, a King James Bible and my, that Bible sat on or it, it got moved around you know with me wherever I went but it was mm. in the plastic mm. stayed in the plastic until it was until I got saved at 33 and oh. I just when I opened that Bible after I got saved uh, even though it was with the these and nows, I just absolutely loved that Bible. It just came to life. And yeah. um, But I did have a quick question. Uh, I, I noticed that the NIV uh, Bible is quite popular, but um, I noticed that there were some scriptures left out. Is there a reason for that? Uh, the, like Mark seventeen twenty one, um, it's not there in the NIV. Okay, a quick but, response yeah. here from Melissa. Yes, uh, Bible Society is is happy to um, uh, endorse and sell the NIV, um, uh, but uh, it's a normal process in Bible translation that um, uh, that things are updated, and there might be there's a variety of reasons for that. But um, uh, we do put our ha- ourselves in the hands of um, very very clever Bible academics in this regard, and uh, there's some good information online about. Um, the normal course of events in terms of us um, having better information about something that we mightn't have had prior. Uh, so it's it's a normal it's a normal course of events for things to change slightly over the over one translation to another. And, and Susan, sometimes I think there is controversy over these sorts of things. But I oftentimes, when challenged with this, uh, say to people, check the footnotes in your Bible because those little footnotes will often say something like. 
this verse or these verses uh, yeah. not in the most reliable uh, tran- uh, most reliable manuscripts. So little uh, footnotes yeah. can actually alert you to why they made those changes or why things might be different. So yes, a study by, the NIV study Bible will tell you that in the footnotes why something has been removed or altered. Thank you so much to Susan. Let's take one more call. Jonathan is in Perth, WA. Hi, Jonathan. Welcome along. Yes. Uh, you know, what I, I noticed of the Bible, uh, we should tell the people thank you because uh, when they wrote the Bible, there were no vowels being placed in, the, in all the chapters. There are no separation of chapters, no verses. Until the people started interpreting the Bible, translating in English, they are done well. But most writers today forget about the Hebrew language. They interpret the Bible according to their understanding, and do not have some of them have no knowledge about the Hebrew. Because if you look at the Hebrew context, you find different contradictions in the other Bible today. A wonderful point you're making there, Jonathan. And uh, when we have uh, Hebrew language, Greek language, and even Aramaic language, where the Bibles have been translated from, yes, of course, they've got different grammar and all sorts of changes like that. Quick re- response from you, Melissa. Oh, well, that's that's entirely right. I mean, we tend to think uh, as we take our Bible off the shelf or pick it up from our bedside table that the Bible was written in English. And, of course, nothing could be further from the truth. Um, so uh, Bible scholars are constantly uh, looking to the uh, original languages. Um, and, you know, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, there's... Uh, uh, you know, an enormous amount um, that uh, can change from one to the other. So that's what makes that uh, panel of Bible scholars around an authorised version so very important. Okay, thank you so much to Jonathan. And one quick question from our Facebook page, and I'm not sure what the answer to this might be. Uh, Mike says, is the Passion version okay, or is it a paraphrase or expanded? Uh, do you, are you familiar with the Passion version at all, yes. Melissa? Yes, I am, yes. Yeah, the Bible Society's position on the Passion is that we see it in the category of a paraphrase or a commentary more than a Bible translation. Okay, and thank you so and, much and, to... And I'm sure that many people, we know that many people enjoy the paraphrase, um, but our recommendation would be that you put it alongside a more standard uh, version of the Bible um, for, and, you know, you will really enjoy that, I'm sure, but, uh, you know, alongside rather than instead of. And running out of time quickly, you have a campaign that's running at the moment for Bible Society, Life-Changing Words into Empty Hearts. What's the focus of your campaign right now? Well, while we talk about uh, all of the various translations um, that uh, we can choose, the reality is that 1.2 billion people in the world can't afford their first Bible. And Two billion people in the world still don't have the Bible in their first language, their own heart language. And another 750 million adults can't read, even if we place the Bible into their hands. So uh, these are the people that we want to make a difference to through this campaign. We simply want to put 
first Bibles into the hands of people who've been waiting for those for a long time. And there are a huge number of Australians that have supported the Bible Society over more than 200 years. And it might be one of those, uh, you might want to be an extra friend uh, to the Bible Society. And I'll point people to biblesociety.org.au. And Melissa, I'm sure you'd love to hear from people who've never supported the Bible Society before, but uh, this might be a new leaf to turn over for 2019 and become a supporter of the Bible Society. Uh, Melissa, well, if you yep. love and appreciate your own Bible, we would encourage you to do that. That would be wonderful. Melissa Lipset is the Chief Operations Manager at the Bible Society, 38 projects worldwide. Melissa, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us and look forward to doing this again another day here on 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's been an absolute joy. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.